Hello, and welcome to another episode of the Taylor Institute Learning Technologies podcast. Today's episode is a recording of a workshop uh, provided by Richard Zack and Aaron Thomas Balduke from the University of Calgary's Department of Philosophy as part of Open Education Week. They talk a little bit about what open education resources are, how to find them, how to make them, and then go on to uh, give examples on how to actually edit uh, OER textbooks in real time. Thank you. Um, so I'm going to start here and tell you a bit about uh, what open educational resources are, uh, why we might use them, why you might want to make your own. Um, we're going to focus mostly on textbooks uh, because that's where Richard and my experience mostly lies. Um, after I talk about that, I'm going to pass the mic to Richard, who's going to tell you where you might find OER that you might want to adopt for your classes, um, and how you might put together an open textbook yourself, or completely write one from scratch if you want. Um, and he'll wrap that up with a short demonstration of how to remix a textbook using Pressbooks, which is a common platform for creating OER. So first of all, OER stands for Open Educational Resources. The sorts of educational resources that we're thinking of are things like syllabi, um, your lecture notes and your handouts from your classes, um, tests, quizzes, group work activities, um, also videos and podcasts, and of course, textbooks. Um, so I taught a logic class using this book. Um, I also made some podcasts, or some screencasts rather, to go along with it. Um, eventually all of those materials will be released once I have time to start do some editing. Uh, so what make, then makes a resource like that open is that you're, if you're taking something from somewhere else, you can keep it and you can reuse it in your course, in future courses, um, but you can also make changes to it. Uh, so convert it to your own needs. Could be small changes like changing the spelling from sort of British English to Canadian English, or um, major changes like using half of one textbook and half of another. Um, and that would then fall under sort of remixing, which we have here is you can take bits and pieces from lots of different open resources and put them together yourself uh, to tailor it to exactly what you want to do. Um, and finally, and crucially, um, you can redistribute these open educational resources that you've created um, or that you've found uh, so that other instructors at your university or elsewhere can use them and remix them and revise them for their own courses. Right. Uh, so how do we ensure that we're allowed to do this? Uh, generally use uh, Creative Commons licenses. Um, so this is a way of establishing a particular uh, copyright paradigm um, that's recognized internationally. Uh, so obviously some things are in public domain. Uh, in Canada, that's 50 years after the death of an author. Um, you have to be careful with this because the time frame varies quite significantly in different countries. Um, 
But you can also, if you create something yourself, release it uh, as public domain yourself. Uh, more commonly, when we create uh, OER, we use uh, slightly more restrictive licenses. Uh, the sort of preferred uh, license among in this community is being called the CC BY or the attribution license. So it allows people to basically do whatever they like with something you've created as long as they give you credit for creating the original thing. It's nice to get credit for work you've done. Some of this can take a lot of time and a lot of effort. Um, but it doesn't restrict otherwise what they can do with those resources. Um, and you can restrict that slightly more by saying that anybody who uses something you've shared and created um, has to, can only share it with the same license. Um, this is also fairly common and still very, a very open license. Um, to that, we can add a condition that things can't be used for commercial purposes. Um, this isn't a really a big worry most of the time. Uh, companies trying to make money from educational resources aren't going to make money on things that can be found for free elsewhere, right? Um, and Creative Commons also has a no derivatives license. Uh, that's generally not considered an open license anymore. Um, because it doesn't allow anyone to change the um, resource that you've shared. Uh, so I won't go through this, but uh, this is sort of how the different licenses interact. And uh, if you have questions about how these licenses work, this will uh, help us later. All right. So why might you want to adopt or create an open textbook? Well. The obvious reason uh, is the cost. Um, so uh, they said we created a textbook for the Logic One course here. This is it. Uh, the most common book in use in Canada, as far as I know, is the Logic Book, um, which costs about $150. Uh, this book was free for my students to download, or $12 and change from, for a printed version from the bookstore. Um, so I've listed there as well a uh, philosophy of science book that's very common in uh, survey courses, which again runs $100 or more. Um, that's a lot of money and that stacks up very quickly. Uh, and those textbook costs tend to affect uh, underrepresented students more. So uh, first time students, uh, poorer students, um, and it's been shown that using open textbooks uh, increases uh, enrollment and helps students finish their programs more quickly. Um, they can f because they feel more partly because they feel more comfortable taking more courses because they're not worried about paying hundreds and hundreds of dollars for all these textbooks. All right. So other reasons you might want to adopt OER. Um, you can adapt them freely. You can do what you like with them. You can change things around. Uh, you're not forced to use new editions of books being released by textbook 
producers every couple of years so that they can keep making profits. Uh, and if you've ever been in this situation, either in a class or as an instructor, where you sort of, well, we need you know, chapters one, two, and seven from this book, and chapter three and nine from this book. Well, if you're using OER, you can take those chapters from those open resources and make them into one coherent book that fits exactly your needs for your course. Right? And open educational resources also add pedagogical value to your course. Um, you can have your students add new material or create new material, whether it's um, examples for your textbook or problem sets uh, or videos or podcasts even. Um, they can then be used for later classes or by other instructors in other settings. Uh, and having the students engage that way, I found anyway, so we were using, I taught this class, I was using this book for the first time, um, so there were some typos in it. And the students seemed sort of very pleased to find little mistakes in my book. And so encouraged some of them to read more closely as well. Anecdotal, but seemed to be the case. They seem happy about this. Um, students also don't have to worry about, you know, somebody buys the textbook and three of you are sharing it and uh, who has which textbook on which day and who has to work with whom on what assignment uh, because the textbook is free. So like I mentioned before, you can include exactly what you need. Um, both in your textbook and your other resources. Um, and you can make sure that all of the resources for your class are accessible. Um, I'll say a bit more about that now. Uh, so traditional textbooks, you're just going to have the one format. Maybe it'll be available as a PDF or an, more likely uh, an ebook. Um, but that will have to, probably have to be purchased separately. Uh, if you're using OER, you can have your materials available in a number of formats so students can sort of choose what works best for them. Um, you can also do things like ensure that your PDFs are optimized for screen readers for students with uh, visual disabilities. Um, Optimize your fonts and spacing and things for dyslexic students. Uh, so we're currently working on an edition of this book uh, that's particularly optimized for uh, dyslexic students. But that can be a different edition than the ones for other students. If, so students can choose which version is best for them. Um, you can also use hyperlinks both to your within the book and to other resources that you've created. Um, it's nice to sort of just have that ease of going back and forth between things. Um, and you can provide transcripts and other things depending on what other resources you're using without having to worry about sort of copyright. Okay. Uh, so I'm going to pass it on to Richard who's going to tell you a bit about uh, where you can find books and how to make them. Um, yeah, so the 
Uh, now you know what they are and um, there's some reasons why you might want to use them, adopt them, promote them, make them. Um, there's one main problem with open educational resources, especially open textbooks, uh, is that um, you know, when you use a commercial textbook, the commercial publisher comes to your door and tries to sell you things, or at least it's very easy to find uh, what the textbooks are in your area of expertise. You probably have used them yourself as an, uh, as an undergraduate or as a graduate student when you um, uh, first taught them. Um, so if you want to switch to an um, open textbook, for instance, it's, it's, it's comparatively harder to find out where they are. Um, so that's what I'm gonna, I'm gonna talk a little bit about, um, where you go to find these things. So um, the, the best places to find um, open textbooks is uh, a number of repositories, um, which I will um, uh, mention some of them and show you. Uh, but of course, lots of these things are sort of um, labors of love of individual faculty members who just put um, the textbook that they wrote or the lecture notes or the uh, course handouts and so on. Uh, on their own website, and uh, um, uh, then you know maybe it'll, it'll have to be something that you find out from either from them directly or through social networks. You might ask on Facebook or on Twitter or something. Does anyone know of a free textbook for the class that I'm going to teach next uh, next term? That sort of thing. Um, for non-textbook OERs, uh, so uh, things uh, that you might use, um, for instance, in um, making your PowerPoint um, presentations or assign um, in addition to the reading for your students or so maybe videos or, or things like that. Um, many, of the th many of the usual places where you find um, content, um, YouTube for videos, uh, Flickr for, uh, for images, um, uh, Wikipedia of course, uh, will, have uh, will have in the search function a way of, uh, uh, of filtering for open content. So you can, you can um, for instance, in, in, uh, in YouTube you can um, search for videos on a particular topic, but you um, will uh, be able to restrict it to say only Creative Commons licenses or only uh, public domain. Uh, and then of course, um, you always have the option of making your own, and I'm also going to talk about that a little bit. Uh, and please, of course, interrupt me if, if there's anything that uh, you want me to ex explain more or elaborate on or um, so on. So uh, first of all, uh, some repository. So we, we brought in a bunch of free open textbooks um, that are available. Uh, there are an, uh, a number of, um, <clears throat> of initiatives that are well-funded and that are underwritten by uh, either universities or university consortia to produce textbooks for commonly, uh, commonly offered courses. Uh, so the first one is OpenStax, and I think it's one of, the, uh, one of the ones that have been around for the longest time. And if you look at an open textbook from OpenStax, like that, looks like a regular textbook. Um, but PDF of this is free. You can read it online for free. Uh, and um, it doesn't cost $250. Um, another one, uh, which is perhaps more relevant to us, is BC Campus Open Ed. So BC Campus is um, the, obviously the, the British Columbia uh, Higher Education, um, uh, the provincial or, uh, body that, um, that deals with all, all of that. And they have an open education um, initiative that uh, also produces open textbooks. And their, their um, uh, approach is a little bit different. So instead of, uh, instead of basically hiring and paying people to write text, uh, textbooks for particular courses, they've encouraged uh, faculty, especially in British Columbia, 
um, to, uh, to author um, uh, textbooks or to uh, take textbooks that other people have uh, authored and um, made available under an open license uh, and change it, uh, uh, adopt them to the Canadian context. So for instance, um, we got Canadian history textbooks, um, but we also have psychology textbooks in a Canadian edition. And I'm not sure exactly what the research methods in psychology, where that came from. But they, for instance, they used some of the OpenStax textbooks and then turned them into Canadian editions. All the things, um, uh, all the things that, uh, that they have produced, uh, and also things that they've vetted. So the uh, the initiative is not just to author and adopt uh, or adapt uh, open textbooks, but also to uh, uh, review textbooks. Uh, and to vet them according to uh, some criteria. So, so many of the things in this, um, uh, in this repository will tell you um, uh, not just where you can find the textbook, but also who's using it, so who's adopted it. Um, that's sort of an indicator of quality. Um, it, will it will have some reviews um, from uh, faculty members, usually at British Columbia universities. Uh, and sometimes it will even have a... Um, uh, a, a seal of approval that it has um, that it has been reviewed for accessibility and meets the standards um, BC opens uh, 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 BC campuses standards for being accessible open resource. So uh, it's available in uh, in different formats. For instance, it's optimized for screen readers. The electronic formats, the pictures will have alternative texts that um, uh, that someone with a vision impairment, for instance, will the screen reader will read out the description to them rather than just having a, a picture there that doesn't have an alternative description. Um, there are some other um, uh, repositories. So for instance, the OER Commons is basically a big uh, search engine for open educational resources, not just textbooks. Uh, and the Open Textbook Library is also sort of an aggregator of, uh, of various, dif uh, various different sources where you, can f where you might find um, uh, open textbooks. Um, there are some disciplines that have, yes, sir. Yes. Had an initiative for open textbooks. Do you know anything about that? Um, not sure. I know that Manitoba and Ontario, um, they just use BC's yeah. system. And the, the yeah, um, so there's an eCampus Ontario search engine for open textbooks. It's the same as BC's. Okay. It's just rebranded. I think, uh, I think we were going to do the same thing. And in the original, um, OER uh, funding pilot uh, when you produced something that was funded by the by Alberta um, you had to provide it in a format and they would give it to BC to include it in the in the uh, in the search engine yeah, yeah. Um, so some disciplines have um, have uh, gone and uh, and um, for some disciplines there are specialized initiatives so for instance the NOBA project um, provides open educational resources and textbooks for psychology. Uh, LibreText is, an, um, uh, is one of, also one of the first open educational uh, OER initiatives out of UC Davis. Um, this is especially for chemistry. Uh, and in fact, I think uh, Montreal University uses it for their chemistry courses. And they've now expanded their model. So the model is basically, uh, it's, a wiki, it's like a Wikipedia. So all the individual parts of the textbooks are basically Wikipedia pages. Uh, and they've used a lot of um, 
the, the kind of uh, uh, approach, pedagogical approach that, um, that Aaron mentioned, namely engage students in producing um, material for, um, for future classes. Um, so it's grown um, very. It's grown very big, and it's also grown, uh, uh, grown very fast. And now they've they've sort of expanded into other um, uh, into other disciplines as well. Um, but it's mainly uh, it's mainly historically, at least, it's been uh, focused on, on chemistry. Uh, uh, and they've also sort of not just have the individual pieces sort of modular, so that you can rearrange them and sort of use them as you see fit but also many of the things that they provide are provided in four different levels, right? So you might have uh, an, um, uh, an anorganic chemistry, something or other for uh, first year students, for interclass, but then also for advanced undergraduate students, and then the same material in even more depth for a graduate course, for instance. Um, the mathematics, um, the American Institute for Mathematics has uh, also a, uh, a list of uh, open math textbooks that they've reviewed uh, and um, sort of provide links to and reviews off and so on. Um, but if you're, right, so of course, uh, there are the usual places that you could look. Um, you could ask a librarian. Um, you could ask Google. Uh, so, um, so these are just some of the, um, some of the places where you could um, go and look. Um, now, most of, these, uh, most of these places provide you with the, uh, with the textbooks in some kind of electronic format. Uh, and sometimes you might want, or usually some students at least still prefer printed things. Um, so then there's a question of how do you get a printed copy of that PDF that you found on the internet. Um, so if, you if you're looking at uh, an open text that's produced by some of these initiatives, so for instance the um, BC Open ones, you can just go to the website where you find the book and there's a link to, um, to order it online. Uh, and you can work with, for instance, our bookstore. So our bookstore has, in the past, um, uh, for instance, for the ones that, that we've made. Um, so what we've done is um, uh, there's, a, there's a service that Amazon offers where you just upload the PDF, and they make it into a nice um, paperback uh, bound copy that's, rel that's still relatively cheap. So, it's, so this one is, uh, I think this one was $12. This one is $9. Um, and uh, you just have to talk to the bookstore manager and um, they will just you know, order 20 of them um, and sell them to your students or you can just point your students to Amazon or to other print-on-demand um, services. There's of course difficulties with that, right? So for instance, one of them is that um, you can't really, the bookstore, I don't know if the bookstore will buy them back, probably not, right? Because they can't return it to the publisher. Um, but uh, for nine dollars, it's probably not such a big um, um, such a big deal. Uh, and of course, you can also um, use other venues for producing them. You can just go to Bound and Copied, for instance, to take the PDF and turn it into a uh, into a um, <clears throat> into a course reader kind of uh, bound version. Um, but it actually, like if you if you send it to Amazon and have it printed, um, other than the shipping costs, the, it's probably cheaper than to go to Bound and Copy and have it um, and have it duplicated there. Um, so that's for uh, printed um, textbooks. How do you how do you make it available to your students? Um, you can share it uh, simply by link. Um, the, but the beauty of the OERs is that uh, one of the, the 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 first R right the retain and uh, and the redistribute. Uh, gives you the right to just take the thing and put it on D2L if you want to. OK, 
can email it to your students. Um, you can uh, go and get it printed without paying anyone royalties or without getting uh, copyright clearance because the li license says as long as um, it has the attribution and it as long as it has the link to the original uh, source, it's okay to do with it uh, as you please. Right? So that's, the, uh, that's really one of the, uh, the important things about um, uh, pick, when you pick something like a textbook that you pick an open one and not just a free one uh, because if it's just free whoever offers it now for free might decide later that they're not going to host it on their website anymore uh, and then now you've decided you've built a course around a textbook that is no longer available um, uh, but that can't happen with an open uh, textbook because it's lot as soon as it's available under an open license, um, you have the right to retain it um, in perpetuity and uh, also redistribute it in perpetuity, even if the original author um, decides later that, you know, I, I don't want to make it available anymore. Um, the, uh, so you can adopt it and make it available to your students. Um, you can remix it. Uh, uh, you can re -re rearrange the content. You can add content. You can change content. Um, you can uh, fix mistakes in it um, that you couldn't fix if it was just a free PDF or if it were a commercial textbook. Uh, of course, when you do that, you always have to be careful to use, um, for instance, if you add things, right? So you can obviously add things that you do that you've written yourself, uh, or pictures that you've taken yourself, or diagrams that you've drawn yourself. But if you take them from somewhere else, um, then it becomes a question of do you have the right to use this? Do you have the right to um, redistribute it as part of your course material? Uh, and you have to make sure that you use only things that are also available uh, under licenses that are compatible with the thing that you're doing. I'm sorry, yeah. you no. Your no, 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 that, that was it, that was my sentence. So I'm sorry to dash yeah. in a moment, but so I don't know if this would affect other people, but um, in English, a lot of the texts and I, and I teach often um, texts from um, past centuries. One reason that I felt compelled to use a commercial anthology is that they have really good annotations. Mm -hmm. And so, I, what would, how, do, how would I deal with that? Because I know I can get a lot of the text from Project Gutenberg, et cetera, mm -hmm. but it won't come with the annotations, and it seems like pretty onerous. And also, I'd, I'd be probably skeptical. Like, I know I'm not allowed to steal the annotations from the mm -hmm. Norton, which is what I want right. to do. Yeah. So, so, yeah, what would you recommend, Derek? Um, well, so the, I guess the, uh, the, the first thing that you can do is just think about it as a sort of a long-term project mm -hmm. to, you know, you're going to start with, with, the, um, with the Project Gutenberg thing, so you copy uh, it from the public domain. Yeah. Uh, and then just sort of commit, you know, every every time you teach it, exactly. you'll maybe make some more handouts on the things, and every time yeah. um, you've, you've made the handouts, maybe then you'll actually put them into the, uh, into the yeah. system. But that seems also like the kind of thing that you could um, uh, involve your students in, right? Yeah. Just saying, you know, everyone take a stanza of this poem and then go and look and see what, what the references are or, mm -hmm. you know, things like that. Okay. Yeah. One of the cool things that BC Campus does is they might already have a textbook, <coughs> but they'll have a uh, like a test bank building me where the, the, the instructors will come together and make the students have to build in questions instead of that. And, and oh. the building has some other resources. Uh -huh. So you could have an annotation building 
get all the English props together and hammer on whatever the text is, uh, it makes them speak. That's fantastic. Mm -hmm. What? What? Yeah. Um, how do you make them? Uh, so this, again, of course, is, a, is sort of always a long-term project. If you want to write one yourself, uh, let me point you to the textbook self-publishing guide that uh, Open it, that BC Open has also put out. We don't have a copy of it here because uh, I think it's, it's, it just came out, so mm -hmm. it's the new, the new edition. Um, so obviously, writing a textbook or collecting um, uh, primary sources and editing and annotating them uh, is a major undertaking. Uh, and if you don't put it out with a commercial publisher, maybe you don't get credit for tenure and promotion and so on. Um, but it is definitely something that you can uh, get money for, um, first of all, right? So you can uh, possibly get a grant for it, for instance. Um, but it's also something that you can, as we just discussed, right, involve your students in. Uh, and you can think of it as a, like, not a, like, I, I'm going to write a textbook in the next year, but just sort of something that you start doing and you build over time. And every year it'll be, there might be one more chapter or uh, one more set of, uh, uh, of, pro uh, of problem sets or uh, one, one more set of questions that you can use for, um, for your test bank and so on. And eventually, you'll have enough stuff to, um, to actually send it to Amazon and, and, and not be embarrassed and actually call it a book, right? Um, so I teach another logic course this term, and um, I've, I've done that. Uh, so <clears throat> these are now about 150 pages, probably like, It'll, it'll probably be a thing like that, a paper-bound copy um, uh, at, the end of the, uh, at, the end, uh, at the end of the term. But it's also something that other people, of course, um, right? So once, you're, once it's not uh, the thing that you need to keep control over because uh, eventually you want to send it to the publisher uh, and you want to have your name on it and you want to get the royal, all the royalties for it, uh, right? So once that pressure is not there, right, then you can... Um, you can take contributions from other people. You can, um, you can collaborate. Um, it makes it a much more of a collaborative effort. So for instance, the first textbook that we, um, that I did this one, uh, actually started uh, as sets of lecture notes from three friends of mine um, that I sort of edited into one coherent whole, uh, made sure that all the notation uh, and terminology was the same. Uh, added more detail and so on, and uh, five years later, it's something that you know that looks like a commercially published text with all the problems, the problems and the chapter summaries, and doesn't have an index yet, but um, maybe it'll have an index soon. Um, and for for these kinds of things, there's also uh, initiatives. So um, BC Campus, of course, does uh, some of these things um, targeted, right? So they will say we need a textbook for a particular uh, first year class. Uh, and get a, a couple of uh, uh, profs together from various universities uh, and then sort of um, uh, get them to work together on a, on a book. Um, but there's also a more distributed um, initiative called the Rebus uh, Foundation. Uh, one of their goals is to also produce um, uh, open textbooks for various uh, disciplines. Uh, and this is more of a, you know, everyone who wants to volunteer for it, you can write a chapter, that can be your contribution, you can uh, edit or review a chapter um, and can serve as, uh, um, uh, as an editor or as a, um, uh, or as a reviewer, uh, or just 
project managing, finding, um, uh, finding texts that can be included, and so on. Um, how do you share them, right? So there, that's, a, that's another thing um, that you, if you do this kind of thing, will be something that you will have to worry about, right? If you uh, go through a publisher, the publisher will do everything for you. We'll distribute it, we'll make it available, sell it, uh, advertise it, and so on. So you'll have to do some of these things um, probably yourself. Um, uh, the first thing to do is to uh, pick a license that you put on it, because otherwise it won't be an open, uh, an open textbook. It'll just be a free textbook. Um, then you have to make it available somewhere. Um, usually the place to do that is your own website or, um, uh, or, the, uh, or an institutional repository. But of course, there's other um, preprint servers, for instance, for various, uh, for various disciplines. So a mathematician might, make it, uh, might put it on our key for a philosopher would put it on full papers and, and so on. Uh, when you do that, make sure that you also include the editable formats because one of the imp important uh, advantages of open textbooks is that uh, you have the right to edit them. Um, but if you only provide the PDF, for instance, even though you have the right to change it, it's very hard to do that. Um, you'd first have to convert it into something that you can edit and then redo it into a, uh, into a PDF. So when you share it uh, and you intend it to be used by other people, make sure that you share it with um, in, a, in the right formats, uh, and then make it discoverable. So there, I mentioned these uh, search engines for open educational resources at the beginning. Um, and these are uh, systems that, take, that usually take um, uh, submissions. Um, so even the BC Campus um, Open uh, Text Book Repository, you can send them, if you have something that you think is, is of the right quality, you can send it to them and they will review it and then they will approve it and put it in. Uh, and some other uh, uh, search engines, they will just um, make sure that the link isn't broken uh, and then put it in and uh, your, your OER will be discoverable uh, from then on. Uh, so this, uh, uh, of course, there's also um, uh, a number of places that you can uh, go to uh, and look for help uh, or to get involved in proselytizing for the importance of uh, OER, for instance. Uh, so in Alberta, we have the Alberta OER uh, Community of Practice, which is sort of a network of, uh, uh, of um, teachers, authors, librarians, um, uh, learning uh, center um, um, uh, people to work together and, uh, uh, and um, provide sort of feedback and help, uh, help each other and organize things like this. Um, then there's the Rebus community that I already mentioned, and um, uh, if you want to if you need money or a research assistant uh, um, uh, for this kind of thing, then of course keep your eyes open for grant opportunities like um, the OER pilot. Um, and I think um, that was it for sort of the theory stuff. Uh, any questions so far before I sort of show you things? Yeah. I was just wondering what sort of recognition or things that you get from creating this, because for faculty they could write a textbook as you said and get royalty. I, I put it on the annual report. Mm -hmm. I got merit for it, I think, right? But it's, yeah, I don't get royalties, obviously. Yeah. yeah. And as a grad student, it, it's a great thing to have in my teaching dossier that I helped create this textbook and redesign this course to use sort of newer methods and open materials. Um, but it's, and there are movements uh, to 
sort of um, make this more of a, a central thing for things like tenure and promotion. Um, but it's early days. Ready for Sean Yeah. Okay. Uh, so I have two more uh, or three more slides. Um, so this is sort of the 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 authoring tools. Obviously, you, probably all of you know Google Docs, right? So if you if you're going to do something and you're going to um, uh, write something uh, and collaborate with other people, you need some kind of way of doing that. Sending back and forth text files or doc Word documents is a bad idea. Uh, so you probably want to have some some um, mechanism for doing this. Google Docs is sort of the low tech version. Uh, the system that um, BC Open uses and that Rebus community uses is called Pressbooks. In fact, I think the person who founded Pressbooks now heads um, the Rebus community. Um, so let me show you what that looks like. Uh, where are we? Text. There. Okay. So, uh, so. Um, Pressbooks is, is a plugin for WordPress. So WordPress is one of the most popular blog and uh, uh, content management systems. Um, so it's a plugin in the sense that they use all the sort of infrastructure that WordPress offers, like, edit, uh, like um, online editors and, um, uh, uh, and mechanisms for rearranging things on a website. Um, but it then also has a book publishing backend, so to speak. So it basically, uh, uh, Pressbooks use in Pressbooks you can design a book the way that you would design a website uh, and then push a button and get a PDF that looks like a book uh, or push a button and get a Mobi file that you can upload to Kindle and then people can download it uh, to their Kindle or um, Kobo or um, uh, iPad and so on in, in, in some electronic format uh, and um, so one good thing is that it's really user-friendly and uh, it has all this sort of this, um, this publishing aspect to it. It does a lot of things. The other thing is that the uh, textbooks, many textbooks that exist, in particular the ones that um, are being done in British Columbia, they all use that format. So for instance, if you want to find a textbook, um, this is the search engine for um, uh, from BC Open Text. So, for instance, I was going to use a um, uh, an, an English textbook for Faye, but now Faye is not here anymore. Um, so, for instance, English literature, Victorians and moderns. So that's an anthology. Um, look at it here it comes in two volumes uh, it's very pretty um, so if you find a text in the repository it'll tell you obviously what's in it um, it will uh, um, tell you who it's by if it's been reviewed so for instance this one has two reviews already um, and it'll be provided in uh, many different formats so for instance you can read the book on the, uh, on the BC Open website itself. Uh, and that's the kind of thing that Pressbooks does. It provides a website for the book uh, with a table of contents, with navigation features, links, will display all, the, uh, all the, the images in a nice way and so on. Um, so this one, for instance, is for 
um, uh, for this particular book. Here's the table of contents. Right? So you got Browning, Tennyson, um, Joseph Conrad, Virginia Woolf, and so on. So, uh, so someone has gone to all this trouble and convert all of these uh, things from uh, which are all in the public domain. So gone to Project Gutenberg, downloaded everything, and turned it into a nice book, written biographies of the authors, um, put in annotations, and so on. So um, if suppose you're an English prof and you want to use that, but um, you notice that um, uh, your favorite author isn't in here. Let's say there is no Charlotte Bronte. And you think that's that's... That, that would ordinarily rule out this book as a textbook for your course because you can bring yourself to teach an um, intro to English literature without doing that. So um, what you'll do is you will download the right format here and then we'll go to where, where, where dashboard. All right, so um, you will just say tools import. Uh, already downloaded it. I hope it's here somewhere. There it is. In WordPress format, upload file, begin import. I hope this works. <laughs> and there it is. Okay, so we'll select everything and import it. take a while, but um, there is a, uh, um, so this Pressbooks is, uh, is also, a, like their business model is, this is a self-publishing platform, um, so um, they, they, you, can, you can buy, you can sort of upgrade uh, to a version of Pressbooks where the PDFs that you download won't have a watermark on it, um, so you can self-publish your books here um, and, uh, and have them produced. Uh, in versions that you can then upload to Amazon, for instance, and then sell it for a profit there. Um, but there's also an educational version. Um, uh, it, the entire thing is actually open source, and I think we're planning, right, Darcy? We're planning to have a version. We're hoping. We're hoping. Uh, <laughs> uh, and uh, so there's Pressbooks is a plugin for WordPress. There's a plugin for Pressbooks um, for textbook publishing, for open textbook publishing. One of the things it does is it, uh, it, you don't have to do that step anymore. Uh, Pressbooks itself will have a list of all the available open textbooks. Uh, and you just say, I want to clone this one. Uh, and then you will have your own version of that textbook. And you can start editing it and so on. Um, if you're really tech savvy and have server space, you can also install it yourself because it's free and open. Um, not recommended most of the time. Uh, but it is possible. I've been trying. I've almost got it working myself. But um, so it is a, a big book. Um, let me be, while we, we look um, while we look at this. Let me also show you the Rebus community. So um, these are um, the people who are doing new textbooks. So uh, for instance, here are some of the active open textbook projects. Uh, the the format is basically someone will volunteer will be voluntold to do a textbook on uh, on X. Uh, and they will be in charge of recruiting 
uh, people plan, uh, uh, planning the writing of that thing. So uh, what are the chapters going to be? Who do we recruit? Um, uh, individual chapters will then have uh, a, a person assigned to spearhead the development of that chapter. Um, there will be a timeline and in the end, um, the idea is to have an open textbook like that. Um, so for instance, uh, here's an open introduction to philosophy. Yeah, so um, Christina Hendricks at UBC has decided to put together this uh, open introduction to philosophy textbook. It's going to be massively long when it's done. Uh, but each chapter is being run by a different uh, person, different philosopher, and then each section of that chapter is written by a different person, or potentially a different person. Um, I've not had time to contribute anything, but I've, I'm signed up to edit the logic and metaphysics sections when they're written and to consult on those, because I have expertise in those areas. So I can help out in that way without committing myself to actually writing a chapter of a textbook while I'm trying to write my dissertation, right? Good. <laughs> Yeah, so this is what happens when it's done. Um, let's see. There, um, everything is in here. Uh, let's see, visit book. What happens when you click that? Okay, so here's my own version of that textbook. Um, everything that was in the original one is now also here. Looks a little different because the theme um, for um, for Pressbooks is different from the theme for BC Open textbooks. But everything is in here. Uh, and if I wanted to change something, um, say, for instance, I wanted to reorganize things or delete things, um, I would just go into the organization and say, I don't know. Um, like, I'm not going to use um, Browning. So um, we're going to just not show him. in the online version of the book. Um, but I want to add something. So I want to add a chapter on Bronte. Uh, yeah. Okay. I don't know how to do the thing on, on, on my thing, right? Um, but uh, right, so for instance, uh, you'd um, uh, maybe add a new chapter. Um, and uh, what you want to do in that chapter, let's say you want to put in a uh, Charlotte Bronte, uh, <clears throat> there, a poem, let's say. Uh, all right, so um, there. Let's take mementos, Charlotte Bronte. Uh, probably want to do a paste this text there. All right, so I got my Charlotte Bronte. Uh, <clears throat> Charlotte Bronte uh, poem um, would be nice to have a picture. So I don't know. Let's go to the National Portrait Gallery. <clears throat> uh, 
Uh, this is a classic. Let's use this one. Okay, so uh, National Portrait Gallery doesn't like it if you use your um, if you use their things just without permission. But they're very nice about um, uh, educational uses, uh, and it'll tell you that um, you're allowed to use this under a Creative Commons license. Uh, as long as you do uh, two things, namely you use a low-resolution version uh, and you agree to the terms. Um, uh, but then they're okay with it. <clears throat> and let you download it. There it is. Uh, I save this. Mm. I've got somebody who knows how to use Windows. Eh? <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> Extract. There we go. Okay. So um, in my chapter, I'm going to add a picture, I'm upload a file, uh, and um, we're going to make sure that we use, we follow the rules. Um, so this is under the Creative Commons Attribution Non-Commercial No Derivatives License. So it's not technically an open license because uh, they don't allow us to ch make any changes, but they're okay if we include it in something and say that it's used uh, according to this license. Um, so uh, we're going to do that. Um, we will um, link to the picture, copy link address. Used under Creative Commons, attribution, non-commercial, non-derivatives, 3.0, license, link. Uh, this is not the best way of um, attributing a Creative Commons um, licensed um, um, piece of work, um, but that's sort of the bare bones thing, right? So you have to say, um, what's the title, where is it from, who's the author, what's the license that you're using it under. Um, but that's basically, that's, that's more or less uh, all you need to cover, um, to, uh, th that's, a, that's all you need to do in order um, to not be in violation of a copyright or, um, or, or a license. All right, so now we got our uh, new chapter, create. Um, no, because it's uh, uh, it's public domain, right? So um, so that means anyone can use it for whatever. I mean, I guess it's nice to say thank you to Project Gutenberg, who provide who scanned all of this and made it so easy. But if you're making yeah. a textbook, you can just have that sort of at the beginning or the end. Those these things were from Project Gutenberg. These things were from this other repository. Yeah. And now here it is as a chapter in this book. Uh, 
and it should show up in the table of contents. So I probably should move it under the Victorian era first, but yeah. So you, you sort of see what, how this goes and uh, how relatively easy it is, or um, uh, it's basically just editing a website. Uh, I think we're out of time, more or less. So mm -hmm. Do you want to just mention that there are a couple other ways of doing this? Um, other ways of? Making books. Oh, other ways of making books. Well, um, we ha there, there are a number of other things. So this is not what we use, for instance, to do it, um, because we have a lot of formulas. There's a typesetting program called LaTeX that mathematicians like to use, which is what we, di we did. Many of the open math textbooks, for instance, use something called pretext. Um, that's uh, also relatively new. Uh, and in order to facilitate the collaboration, we've basically just used an off-the-shelf software um, system called GitHub um, to keep track of revisions that various people are doing. Um, LibreText, um, as I mentioned, is concentrates on chemistry, um, but they've now like there's not a lot in the humanities section. But um, if you wanted to populate the humanities sections with open books on history and uh, and literature and so on. I'm sure they would be happy to, I mean, you're, you're, you can use that system um, if you want to. Um, yeah, th I think those are the only things that I wanted yeah. to say. No, I think that was about yeah. it. Um, it's worth mentioning, again, the two textbooks on open textbooks that uh, BC Campus Open Ed has made. So I, we, Richard talked about the self-publishing guide. Um, there's also an accessibility toolkit. Uh, so I mentioned that this allows you to make sure that your uh, resources are accessible for all your students. And the, this book um, sort of guides you through all of the considerations you might uh, want to have when you're um, making your, if you're creating things for the first time, have these in the forefront of your mind so that you can, as many students as possible can use your resources. Uh, and uh, before I forget, um, all of the people who are working on these kinds of things on campus, um, so are originally funded from the province or funded through the um, through the pilot project that the Taylor Institute is running now. There will be a showcase tomorrow between two and five out here, um, so you can look, or over, here. over there, right? Um, so you can come back tomorrow and look at all, all the things that people on campus have been doing. Um, yeah. And, yeah. More questions? Now We're or? just about out of time, but I imagine yeah. we can stick around for a few minutes yeah. if you have extra questions. Yeah. And thanks for coming. <laughs>